So we're going to be looking at Mark's Gospel. We're going to be looking at chapter 11. I think we might even be starting on verse 11. So we're going to be looking at this bit where... um, Yeah, we're going to start verse 11. So it's Mark 11, verse 11. All the ones. Yeah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the public reading of your word. And we thank you for the preaching of your word. And we thank you for the prophetic word. Lord, we just want to honour you that you speak to your people. And I thank you for what's been expressed Um, audibly today but I thank you for what you have said to people in their hearts and minds I thank you for the words that you've spoken to them the encouragement that you've given them the strength that you've given them the truth that you've deposited and so Lord may we be those that just so welcome in your word of truth that brings transformation to our lives Lord we ask that you would seal in what you've already said, what you've already spoken to us, what we've, we've already heard from you. And Lord, as, as we come to read this passage, as I uh, share some things, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us some more. Lord, your word is powerful, life-changing. But as, as we know, we can ignore it, we could turn a deaf to it. And so, Lord, Give us ears to hear, hearts that are soft to receive your word, we pray. Amen. So, Mark 11, verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig leaf, sorry, a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began to drive, driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill Jesus, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the the fig tree you cursed has withered. 
Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So, I just want us to sort of work our way through some of the passage at least. We won't look at all of it, but... um, There's a sandwich going on, a temple sandwich, okay? Uh, a temple sandwich is not made of bread, it's made of figs each side, fig tree each side and a temple in the middle. Did you notice that? Started with a fig tree, ended with a fig tree and a temple in the middle. Okay, so they sort of join in together. So the fig tree represents... Israel. It represents God's people. And uh, so there's something happening on the natural level. There's something happening on on the spiritual level of this. And so what what Jesus is, is doing is bringing judgment on that which is unjust, on that which is not right. It's wrong, it's not right. What you're doing is not right, it's wrong. It needs to stop. It needs to end. And so Jesus went to a fig tree that was full of leaves and he was wanting to find some fruit on the fig tree. But what did he find? Leaves. Okay. So uh, it says, we read, but it was not the season... So you could say, what, what, Jesus, you were looking for fig trees when it wasn't the season for, tr- for figs. Although some clever people, scholars, say that it's not actually saying it wasn't the season for, for but that it had not yet harvested. It wasn't the time for the reaping of it, that there should have been fruit, and it wouldn't have been taken away yet because the harvest hadn't happened. Jesus was expecting to get fruit from the fig tree, never again. So, but there's a temple in the middle of our sandwich and he's going to the temple and he's looking round in the temple and he's seeing things. And what he's seeing is injustice. He's seeing unrighteousness. He's seeing things happen that shouldn't happen. The people of God not doing the things that they should do. For he's saying, my house should be called a house of prayer for a few people. Sorry? All nations, for all people. My house should be... Now, imagine that. I don't know if... I won't use that illustration, but imagine the biggest building you can think of, a place where people gather... That's the temple. It's a big place. Loads of people will gather there. And the the role of the temple was to be a place of of worship, a place of of prayer, 
a place of sacrifice. So people would go there to um, get their, their life sorted out, get their sins sorted out, to offer. But if they were travelling a long distance and they had their precious animal with them and say they fell over or something happened and the animal wasn't perfect anymore, it got blemished, it would be no use. So they would travel to the temple where the temple there, people would there would go, well, look, we've got some guaranteed genuine good sacrifice stuff. So you can buy it off us, give it to the priest, they'll do the business of killing and offering it for you and you're okay. Although, you know, you can't spend your money here. What you've got to do is exchange your money, get the temple token money, and then you can spend it. Okay, so it could be that it was a place of robbing because the people were getting ripped off for the exchange rate or they were getting charged top dollar for the animals. It could, could be those sorts of things. It could be that the place where all the market and, and all of that was, was the outer court or the court of the Gentiles, later called, that where people that were not Jewish by birth could go. I'll go, people of other nations. My house will be a, prayer, a house of prayer for some nations, all nations. So don't make it hard or difficult for other people to come and gather to worship and honour me. Okay, there might be places that they can't go, but they certainly can come here and be here. But you are making my house a marketplace. You're robbing people if they were conning them, if they were overcharging them, but they're robbing them of space, of space to be with God, to worship God, to honour God, to celebrate him, to pray, to be intimate with God. And so robbing was going on and Jesus was not happy about the injustice of it and the righteousness of it. It's not right. So that's in the temple. But Jesus is doing a visual aid or an image, a parable with the fig tree saying, no one will eat of your fruit again. Because he was speaking of God's judgment to an unrepentant people that were going their own way, doing their own thing, not in a way that was pleasing to God. God had blessed Israel as a people to be a blessing to other people. He wanted his people to be a blessing, not a hindrance or a difficulty. And so basically, in this story of the fig tree, or the picture of the fig tree, he's bringing a warning of judgment. This temple is going. This temple, what it's doing is going. This temple is not the, the full and final place of God's living. We are going to be doing a new thing. There's going to be, says Jesus, a new sacrifice. You won't have to keep coming to a temple where you have to keep on continually offering sacrifices. What's Jesus going to do? 
He's going to give his life. He's going to die in people's place. He's going to pay the price of sin. Jesus dies for our sin. There is forgiveness of sin. There's going to be a new thing going on. I am going to make a better sacrifice, a more permanent sacrifice, and I'm going to have a new home. So I believe that God, through, through the times, gave his people, and we can look back and look at the people of Israel and go, oh, look at them, look at what they've done wrong. But let us not exclude ourselves from any awareness of when we are doing things that are unjust and not righteous. Because Jesus is coming to deal with his temple. We'll get on to that in a moment. So God's people were not to exclude, uh, how can we say it, outsiders. They were meant to be welcoming people, not excluding them, welcoming them, let them in. So, God's people were to be a light to the nations. A light. What did I do with my light? Has anyone got a light? Yes, I've got a light. It's not a lightsaber, it's a light, it's a torch. So, God's people were there for the sake of the world, to be the light of the world. And so, you can use light in many different ways. Ways And so what was happening to the Jews that they were becoming increasingly more critical or judgmental. And so you can use light to expose people, to shine a light upon, look at you, look at what you're doing. Oh, and you're doing that. And you can become very judgmental and very critical. So religious people can become like that. The religious spirit will often point and blame and accuse. But the light of the world, the church, people who say, the light isn't there to expose on some nasty, horrible person that you found. No, the light is to shine and say, look at him. Look at our God. Look at who he is. Look at what he's doing. Look at what he's done. Look at him. The light isn't to expose. The light is to enlighten. You don't know who he is. You don't know what he's done. You don't know what he's about. Look at him. You are welcome. You are accepted into the house of the Lord, into the presence of God because of who he is, his sacrifice. So God wanted his people to bring a welcome rather than an exclusion. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So when we think about prayer, we can have lots of thoughts about prayer, but it's, think of relationship, prayer, communication. First and foremost, it's about relationship. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You are all welcome to come to me, says God, to be with me, to know me, to experience me. What what God has done in Christ through his death and resurrection has opened up the way for us to know him in an intimate 
intimate way. Sometimes he might sing over us, make music, delight in us. The Lord your God rejoices over us with singing, takes great delight in us. And so Jesus is bringing judgment on his people. He's saying, you are robbing people from God's presence, from getting close with God, from getting relationship with Yahweh. We need to change things because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And they weren't turning and repenting and being forgiven. They were just going their own way, doing their own thing. An exclusion that says you can't come in, you can't come close, only us. It wasn't what God wanted for them. And so, you have made it a den of robbers. So I want us to be thinking in a while about how we have, can make things to be a den of robbers. But my house will be called a house of prayer. A house of prayer for all nations. So I want us to think a bit about prayer. So we've talked about intimacy, relationship, deep relationship, communion, oneness, enjoyment, knowing, uh, delighting, being joy, being glad-hearted with God, with our maker, with our creator. To be still and know that I am God. To enter into the secret place and to have the reward of being with him and knowing him. So there's that sort of prayer. And out of the overflow of that intimate relationship of prayer. God wants us to be a people of intercession, a people who stand in the gap, that present people and situations to God and represent God to the people and situations to proclaim the truth of the reality of the rule and reign of heaven over situations, over circumstances. So... Let me go back to the passage. So there's the withered fig tree and they're saying, look, Peter's going, Rabbi, look, look, look what you've done. And then he says this, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, I've always wondered about this, it doesn't seem, why are you talking to a mountain? But anyway, if anyone says to this mountain, what's this mountain? The temple mount? The temple, the mountain of injustice, the mountain of ungodliness, of unrighteousness. There's mountains before us that are not right and not good and there's oppression and injustice. Well, Jesus is saying, don't just say, oh, that's it. No, no, fight the good fight of faith. I tell you the truth, anyone who says to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart but believes and says it will happen. It will be done for them. Like, come against injustice. Come against unrighteousness. Come against oppression in prayer. In prayer, fight the good fight of faith. So the Western church has made so much of prayer about us 
gaining stuff and wanting stuff and having stuff and demanding stuff and naming it and claiming it. No, no, it's to fight injustice and unrighteousness. I want your kingdom to come here on earth. But look at what is going on. That isn't God's rule and reign. That's not God, what God wants. That's injustice. That's unrighteousness. How are we going to bring in a change? Oh, a people who are praying to their God. A people who are, we'll go into this, a holy temple that are bringing in and making a difference. So we need to be um, a people, dare I say, of violence. This is what Martin Luther wrote. He said this, We must all practice violence and remember that he who prays is fighting against the devil and the flesh, and I'm adding the world. Satan is opposed to the church. I'm adding, Satan is opposed to the kingdom of God. The best thing we can do, therefore, is to put our fists together and pray. So I'm not encouraging you, I'm not being a zealot, rise up, take arms, be violent in the natural. Our weapons are not of this world. But we need to remember that we have got weapons of prayer, of violence in the spirit, of where we see injustice, unrighteousness. What is going on isn't right. We can be those that get involved, stand in the gap in prayer. You know, who knows what evil is held back because God's people pray? Who knows what goodness is brought into the earth because God's people pray? Now, we don't always know the results for prayer. Sometimes we get the encouragement that people say, oh, thanks for praying for me because this happened. Sometimes it feels like we pray and the things we want don't happen. But let us not give up. Let us not lose heart. Let us be a people of intercession and prayer that comes out of relationship with our gods and so that we can be those that are uh, deeply intimate, but we are intercessors that are violent. We are fighting the good fight of faith. We are in a spiritual battle. And then who knows, um, all of heaven can break loose. So God is doing a new thing, okay? So there you go, there's the temple, there's the place of sacrifice, there's the place of offering, there's a place of gathering. But God says, I'm going to do a new thing. There's a new thing in Jesus, and then there's a new thing in us that we become a building, a building that God's built, a living temple. So Ephesians says that the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And, and in him, in Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Peter, to Peter, you also, like living stones, li everyone say living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. Living stones. A living stone. An expanding, growing stone. What is doing my head in? You are not made to be a brick. You are not a brick. You are a living stone. You don't, we're not all one size. We don't all look the same. We're not all uniform. We're not, it's not about uniformity. 
It's about unity in the spirit. It's about a bunch of living stones, all odd shapes, fitting together to become a place that God lives by his spirit, that God inhabits his people individually and together, that we are the temple of God, that we are the place of worship and prayer. We are the house of prayer. We are the temple of God that God's presence resides in. We're the people of God. And so we need to know that we are a holy temple set apart for the glory and presence of God. And if God, Jesus, judges the the temple of of the Jews at that time, what is he going to be doing with his church today? What is he saying about the fig tree of the church today? Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. We are the the temple of the living God in relationship with God. And so, what might he be saying to us individually and corporately as to how we are, rather than being a house of prayer for all nations, that we are being a den of robbers. So um, Isaiah says this, Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. God wants us to live. And the only way we can truly live is if we repent. So those people didn't repent. God gives us opportunities and chances to change our minds, to turn from our wicked ways and embrace what he wants. The message version of that, Isaiah 55, 3 says, pay attention, come close now, listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. So, we are called to be God's people, a chosen people to bear fruit, fruit that lasts, fruit that looks like Jesus. And so Jesus comes to examine his church, his tree, the fruit. Is he going to find leaves of activity? Or is he going to find fruit of godliness? Are we those that are being a people of prayer in relationship with him and are interceding and fighting the battle? Or are we becoming uh, religious institutionalised, excluding people, not welcoming them, judging them, not pointing to, to God. What am I like inside? So what is robbing you? What are you, what are you being robbed from? From meeting with God, from being with him in the secret place, from, from effective intercession. What is the secondary thing that is taking place? 
So um, we had some words, didn't we? Um, and Lynn shared from her, her reading that if there's something in your face, it will totally dominate you. It needs to be put in right perspective so that you can see more clearly, that we can see through the lens of God. And so whatever is grabbing us, dominating us, controlling us, has got us. It's robbing us from being that godly uh, living stone, temple, presence carrier of God. So what is robbing you? Holy Spirit, help us and show us, we pray. You know, what robs you of your time? You know, Jesus said to them, um, come, come with me and pray. Can you not? Can't you last one hour? Can't you just last one hour with me? Can't you stay with me for an hour? You know, so easy. You can watch a movie for two hours, two and a half hours, three hours. You can sit on a screen to look at something for just a minute and an hour later. What am I doing? I'm addicted to this thing. Oh, maybe, Jesus, you need to come into your temple and start kicking out things that are taking up time and attention and pulling, pulling me and others away from God. What do I need cleansing from? What does Jesus need to overturn in my life? What is robbing me from enjoying God's, God's presence and house? That God says um, in Isaiah, says, I give them joy in my house of prayer. So right in Mark chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 11 says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany. Bethany means house of joy, house of happiness, house of goodness. It's a good thing. God says, I'll give you joy in my house. So when we're meeting with God and doing the things God wants us to do, there is joy to be had, gladness, goodness to be had. Why, why am I missing out on joy? What, is it because I'm too busy pointing the finger, moaning and groaning, criticising, complaining, judging, that I'm missing out because the the deep root of bitterness and resentment is rising up in me and choking out the joy of the Lord. What is robbing you from enjoying God's love, acceptance, grace, mercy, peace, purpose, provision? You know, if we don't forgive, we're going to be robbing ourselves of God. He forgives us and we need to forgive others. Why do we do it? Why do we keep on doing it? What is the root of it? What are we masking? What are we hiding? What are we doing a great cover-up about? And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring revelation to us, that where we're dull, where we're being stupid, where we're being unwise, or, and we don't know it, show us, or where we do know it, but... We're turning a blind eye to it, a deaf ear to it, ignoring it, justifying it. Holy Spirit, show us, we pray. Lord, we want to be a fruitful people for you that bring you glory and honour and praise. We don't want to be caught up in religion and rules and judgmentalism. So, Lord, I pray that you would... 
by your grace and in your mercy, take everything out of my life that doesn't look like Jesus. Lord, I don't want anything in me that doesn't bring you glory, honour and praise. Lord Jesus, by your spirit, will you overturn and drive out the things in my life that are stopping me from being that house of prayer that you want me to be. And Lord, have, have, have mercy on me where, because of what people have said to me or done to me, I've become a brick. Lord, I want, I want to shake off all the old words, all the, all the old structures that limit me into being something that you never made me to be. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring about expansive growth in me and in my mind so that I can be all that you've made me to be. A living stone that fits well with my brothers and sisters. A living stone that is full of your life and expands the life of God and the kingdom of heaven. Lord, that we might be a glorious uh, temple, not because we're great, but because you are and because your presence dwells within us. That all the praise and the glory Honour goes to you, for you are worth it. It's not about us. But Lord, you, you make it so that we can oh, be partners with you, work with you, and that your life flows through us. Thank you, Lord. Have your way, we pray. Have your way. And if you feel like responding to anything the Lord is saying, why don't you stand or raise a hand or do something that just says, Lord... Don't, don't, don't leave me out. I want to be changed. I want you to do your work in me, Jesus, so I'm pleasing to you and I'm fruitful for you. Lord, we pray that you do deep cleansing work in us, a deep pruning work um, in us. Lord God. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 13, under the heading in the NIV, Repent or Perish, it says this, Unless you repent, you too will all perish. Unless you repent, you will perish. Then he told him a parable. A man had a fig tree, planted it in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fruit tree. I haven't found any, so cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig round it and fertilise it. If it bears fruit next year, great, fine. If not, then cut it down. There are seasons, there are seasons, there are seasons of repentance and there's seasons of judgment. And this is a time of repentance. This is a time to get right with God. This is a time to say, Lord, give me another chance. Dig round me, fertilise me. I want to grow, I want to change. I don't want to resist you anymore. I want to be fruitful for you. But, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish. 
God is a God of judgment. There will be a judgment when he comes and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. He will divide people as sheep, sheep and goats. What have you done with my son? How have you responded to me? What, what, what righteous and just deeds have you done? So prayer is more than praying. It's, it's, it's lived out action against injustice. It's, it's, it's living a godly life that brings about change and difference for people as well. And so, church, it's an opportunity for us to repent. God is a God who gives chances, and he gives chances. But there comes a day, like with the temple, he goes, that's it, that's it. No more, I'm doing a new thing. And we are God's new thing now. And he wants, to, he wants for each and every one of us to be fruitful, plentiful, to multiply, multiply, to be the living stone that expresses him. So he wants for us. So Lord, help us to confess and repent and walk in repentance that our lives would truly change and we would be truly fruitful for you. Amen. Amen.